0: (laughs) I didn't know that regular people could go out on the track and drive cars. And I was instantly, you know, I was no longer sipping from the fire hose. I was drinking as fast as I could gulp it in to figure out what it would take.
1: Kind of the NASA, the three pillars, the safe, fair, and fun. And I think safety is really underlined here with all the resources you guys bring um, for everyone who participates.
0: And they have converted it where they can go out for about 45 minutes to an hour And they come in and basically the car jacks up and the battery packs stay on rollers and they roll the battery packs out and they roll new battery packs in, drop the car down essentially onto the batteries and they latch in and it's just like a pit stop for them. It doesn't take any longer than any of the other cars that pit stop.
1: Hello and welcome to The Next Great Car Era, a podcast by EV Tuners. I'm your host, Daniel Martin, and today I'm sitting down with Mike and Tessa, the Regional and Deputy Regional Director of NASA SoCal. The NASA SoCal region has been led by Mike and Tessa since 2021. Mike's experience as an amateur and pro racer and Tessa's background in trade show and corporate marketing gives them a unique perspective unmatched by other organizers. We chat about what NASA is, how to start racing with them, the differences between other organizations, and what EV racing looks like now and in the future from an organizer's perspective. Before we dive in, please remember to like and subscribe on YouTube, leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts, and follow us on socials. It helps a ton, and I really appreciate it. If you want to participate with the EV Tuners community even more, check out our Patreon page for all sorts of exclusive access. And now with that, enjoy. Awesome. Well, Mike, Tessa, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me today. Um, this is this is perfect timing because one week from today, we're all going to be making the trek out to Willow Springs to do some racing next weekend, unless I got my dates wrong.
0: No, that's it. We, we are ready and they're repaving uh, like 60% of the track and they're fixing some other stuff in the portions they're not repaving and setting that up to be repaved at about the same time next year. So uh, we're really excited that all the technical parts are what are being repaved first. So uh, it should be an exciting weekend.
1: Ooh, oh my goodness, this is amazing. The last time that uh, I was out there, we did like a track walk at, at the end and it was quite remarkable to see it at that scale at walking speed and and could see oh this okay this is why it feels a little squirrely there's a crack there and here's something that you miss and so it's going to be great very cool
0: yeah we think so too we're excited we will be the first group to use the new pavement
1: well about groups then let's take a little bit of a step back then uh and talk about uh your both of your roles with nasa and uh And maybe that can lead into uh, to the rest of our conversation.
0: Well, NASA is a national organization with 17 regions across the country. Tessa and I represent the Southern California region of NASA. Uh, That essentially makes me the regional director and Tessa, the assistant regional director um, and by no means does that mean she's my assistant, although she will laugh at that sometimes, but she really does all <laughs> the work leading up to the events and I get unleashed at the events.
2: Yeah, Mike is really our subject matter expert. My end is the all the logistical administrative pieces of getting the event ready and then running the event. And Mike's expertise helps make sure that I do all that right.
1: Yeah awesome well i i had the benefit of starting to to join you guys for these events i actually knew some folks that had uh, that had been attending and and that really helped me cuz there's a little bit of a learning curve and one of those was kind of just finding out about nasa so national autosports association there's a ton of information online but when i was first starting to read that it's a little bit like sipping from a fire hose And even though all the information is there as a layman, it is, you know, you have to (laughs) digest it a little bit. Um, So would you maybe talk a little bit about what getting started looks like, you know, the different types of HPDE and what you, how you kind of transition from that into different types of events, TT and, and stuff like that?
0: Sure. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. One of the things we work the hardest on is lowering the barrier to entry trying to make it as easy as possible to come and participate but even when we do that it is still sipping from the fire hose (laughs) we find that most people get introduced to what we do because they're a friend of somebody who's already doing it and we have that organic link that just keeps growing and growing and, and that's our goal but our goal is normally somebody will come up To the track and visit a friend and see what they're doing and say, "Oh, I want to do that." That's exactly how I got involved. I was invited to a track 25 years ago, and I'm like, "Oh, regular people can do." (laughs) I didn't know that regular people could go out on the track and drive cars. And I was instantly, you know, I was no longer sipping from the fire hose. I was drinking as fast as I could gulp it in to figure out what it would take. (laughs) But most people, when they first get involved, Um, we have HPDE, uh, high performance driving education, high performance driving event, um, it comes with lots of in-class instruction and time on the track with an instructor in the right front seat of your car. So it's not an instructor driving your car, you're driving your own car. And that's one of the things that people really get wide-eyed the first time they take a look, it's like, yes you can bring your car to the track there's some criteria that the car has to fit within but genuinely it has to be in good mechanical condition have good brakes good tires and generally not be leaking any fluids um you know we like to see the factory seats and seat belts when people start at HPDE1. But some people get a little overzealous and maybe they have some slightly modified street cars where they've put some aftermarket seats and some aftermarket harnesses in. That's fine. There's a little bit more of a rigorous standard for those to make sure that they're installed correctly mm. and that you know the belts are serviceable. And one of the most important things is You can't just do the driver's seat. Um, Whatever level of safety the driver has is the same level of safety that our instructor has to have when you start off. So you can't just swap the driver's seat out for a custom racing seat and custom racing harnesses and leave the stock passenger seat in. Um, Needs to be equal, equal on both sides. But with that being like the biggest hurdle for somebody just coming to the track, we get people that come out and they're, Honda Civic or their Volkswagen GTI or you know their Tesla. We get a lot of those that everybody's like, oh, I want to try this. Um, and you know, that's even happening more now that uh Button Willow, where we're not going next weekend, unfortunately. We're going to Willow Springs, but Button Willow has installed right there off the highway. They've become a Tesla high-speed charging station. So that makes it convenient for some folks. But uh yeah. Once you bring your car to the track, you get emails and you get instructions leading up to it. As soon as you, you know, get through the hurdle of I bought my $69 a year membership. So now I'm a member of the club. I'm a member of NASA. I paid my dues. Then you can register for an event and you pick an event and you pick an HPD one that's available and you sign up for that. Then you get a confirmation email and, you know, about a week, 10 days before the event, you get a second confirmation email with like the actual schedule, the final version of the schedule, the when and where to be there. and you know all cars have to go through a technical inspection. So if the day the first meeting is at eight am, we try to tell people show up at seven or seven fifteen in the morning, you put your car in line for tech. it goes really fast. Mm. I mean, we always have like six or eight is there and it's a real general inspection. You get the inspection sheet in advance you can fill it out yourself or you can bring it to a mechanic and have them fill it out but kind of like why do you want to pay a mechanic 150 dollars an hour to fill out the sheet when we charge ten dollars cash at the track you know it's like yeah Is we we'll sign off on it all of our technical inspectors are sfi certified technical inspectors they know what they're looking for you know we want to make sure you go out on the track and it's safe but you know it's quick you know nobody's in line for more than a few minutes
1: that's amazing
0: yeah well, once they get their car tech we have a morning meeting right at 8 a.m for all of the different hpd groups we do one through four you know one okay. being the beginner, four being the most advanced but you could look at it as you know uh introductory intermediate advanced you know it just as the numbers go up, the more skill you've acquired, um, the more things you're allowed to do on the track. But like when you first start off, people are always worried that it's their daily driver, in their streetcar, and we really control the passing, we really control the speeds. You spend a lot of time in the classroom learning what your expectations are. And you get that instructor in the car who's going to build confidence in you. And, you know, you got to walk before you run. You got to drive slow before you can drive fast. And you got to learn, you know, which way the track goes with the left and right. There's no traffic signs. (laughs) right? No traffic
1: signs, no divider line. (laughs) <laughs> no you're
0: lucky on some of the ends of the straightaways you got brake markers saying hey now, now might be a good time to break but that's about it
2: <laughs> we get a I think- lot of questions from racers that generally just add, or drivers i should say so how do i get started and the really simple answer is just sign up for hbd1 it's the introductory class where you have instructor in the car with you and then you go from there. I mean that's really the basic answer that I give people when they email and ask me, you know, so what do I do if I want to come to an event?
0: Our our HPD one, unlike some other groups, is set up to be one day. Because one day is a lot for somebody who's starting. It does take a while before you build into I'm gonna go and get a hotel and stay two nights and drive on the track two full days and put a lot of wear on my tires, because it does, you know, there is some wear that happens when you do this. But we have HPD1 set up to be a one-day class. Some people finish HPD1 in one day. Some people at the end of one day of HPD1 have built up the confidence or the skills they need to drive solo yet in, in HPD2 is when you learn to drive solo, or when you've been you finished HPD-1 and you get to drive solo. So some people take HPD-1 more than once or be encouraged to take it more than once. And some people halfway or three quarters of the way through the day, the instructor will say, hey, you're going great. I'm gonna send you out your last session of the day with the HPD-2 people, tell me how you feel. And if you feel confident and comfortable, You graduated, you know, you've made your first step in the progression of one through four.
1: I really like that there's this, this, this kind of easing into it. And the barrier to start is so small, the drive, what you've brought, as long as it's safe, start getting some seat time and learning and then progressing through these levels where it's incrementally you're, you're upping your skill level. It's It's been, as someone who's working through that process right now, it's been really enjoyable and bite-sized pieces.
0: Well, I, I think as you, somebody who's working through it, you know, basically the, the kind of normal routine or the what to expect is you have your morning meeting, you'll divide up in your groups, one through four, with your lead instructor. You'll have a classroom session where you know, one, we really start going through the basics. What do the flags on the track mean? You know, when do I go? When do I stop? What 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 do those flags mean? And I won't go into great detail about the flags, but you learn what they mean and how to react to them. And then as the day progresses, you learn what the line means. Uh You know, everybody's experienced the line at some point in time. You've been late to church on Sunday. You're hustling down the country road and go a little bit over the speed limit and you'll wander into the other lane a little bit because, uh, the car needs to make a wider arc. Well, in layman's terms, you're learning the line. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And and we explain that in great detail is, you know, every (laughs) corner has an entry an apex and an exit. It sounds confusing, but you know, we take baby steps through it and you learn, but even at the level two, three and four, um, There's instructors that are the series leaders for that. And one, they're talking about consistency and pace and understanding the dynamics in your car of weight transfer and traction. And keeping your eyes up and looking further ahead and driving deeper into a braking zone and learning to use more of the car's ability to slow it down coming off the brakes very quickly while the weight is still on the front of the car and turning into the corner while the front tires have lots of traction. It's a very methodical progression. Um, In fact, twice a year, we get all of our instructors together and we have instructor clinics and this weekend's also one of those where we make sure everybody's on the same page and everybody's singing from the same sheet of music. And it's not that we have any concerns over the abilities of our instructors, but we want so much consistency that if you have one instructor this event and a different instructor next event, you're getting the same level of data using the same words. So everybody knows what we're talking about. And we try to
2: keep it easy for drivers to find information too created some pages on our website that basically say, if this is your first time registering, here's the process. Here's how to prepare for your event. Here's what to expect when you arrive at the track. And, you know, summary of the whole HPD program. So that hopefully that gives people a, a snapshot of, you know, what to expect, how to get ready and, you know, what's going to happen when they get to the track.
1: So, many of the folks who um, are driving EVs, if they have not, uh, that are listening to this, if they have not already had experience uh, racing cars before, they're going to be starting in that HPDE class. Um, Once they go to a few sessions and they progress their way through the levels, then kind of some other options open up. What are those? What's next after you graduate from HPDE?
0: Well, so great question. Once you progress one through four and you've become accomplished in level four, meaning you're at a graduate level of level four, you basically have three choices and and people make any one of the three choices for any reason. Um, The first choice is I'm going to continue to drive HPE 4 I like bringing my car to a track event. I'm not looking for any level of competition. I like experiencing my car and sharpening my skills at different tracks and i want to be you know as the best that i can be at all three of these tracks that we use in southern california and that's a great choice if you are a competitor at heart this is where there's a fork in the road Hmm. the first fork in the road is to go to time trials and we have a very active ev class in time trials and at least with the street cars or the slightly modified street EVs that we have, this is where they fit in the best right now. Um, they go to time trial where basically after the first warm up, the group leader will line the cars up fastest to slowest. The fastest car will go out on the track first, the slowest car will go out on the track last. There's normally, you know, 25 cars in that group which means we have two to three miles of track depending which track we're at that's a pretty good spread of cars nobody's driving bumper to tail you know mm-hmm. nose to tail there is there's a lot of you know space between the cars everything gets spaced out very quickly um and then the goal is over the course of the 20 or 25 minute session to set your fastest lap Now, the EV guys have had some challenges with some of the, you know, combustion engine cars in the past where the EV guys want to go out and they want to set their fast lap, lap, lap three. Like, you know, I got all the juice. Yeah. I got all the power. I don't need the warm up that you guys need. I can get my tires up to temp. You know, anybody can get their tires up to temp in one or two laps. And then, you know, the EV cars really want to go early. You know lap two lap three lap four uh and then you know the naturally aspirated or or the you know petrol cars they might not be ready to go until lap four or lap five so we've seen some negotiating between the drivers to either leave a bigger gap or hey i'm gonna pass you kind of right away as we go out on the track but i'm gonna get out of your way so it's not even really you passing me back after that lap three or four um, so that everybody gets quality track time. I and mean, that's always been one of our big things that we want to deliver is quality track time, is that people mm. you know get to experience what they want to experience on the track. And uh, that's worked really well. Now, NASA does have an EV category for racing. So when you come to the fork in the road, you can either go to time trials where you're self-competing against yourself against the clock for a fast lap, and you'll compete against like cars. An EV, unfortunately, it's a very broad category. You'd be competing against any other EVs right now. Sure. Where some of the petrol cars, it's basically a power-to-weight ratio type thing. And they are classified based on power-to-weight. And they compete against other like cars in the same power-to-weight ratio class. But in NASA, you can go EV racing if you want. There's not a lot of it, but it's been done, and it's been done at the 25 hours of Thunder Hill for the last several years where they bought um, some spec racer bodies out. They started a spec racer Renaults back in the day. Uh, In fact, if you still race those in the SCCA, they're on their third generation of spec racer Ford now with a new Ford engine in it. But these old spec racer bodies were converted to EVs And they have converted it where they can go out for about 45 minutes to an hour. And they come in and basically the car jacks up and the battery packs stay on rollers and they roll the battery packs out and they roll new battery packs in, drop the car down essentially onto the batteries and they latch in and it's just like a pit stop for them. It doesn't take any longer than any of the other cars that pit stop. Wow there's videos of it on youtube of the it's evsr uh electrical electric uh, electric vehicle racing uh evs racing and uh charlie greenhouse has run that for years he just recently sold off some of what he was doing but uh yeah they they've done it for years i've driven the car on a track not at thunder hill when they were still in different experimental stages. I was one of his test drivers at Summit Point Motorsports Park, which is one of his home tracks. And uh, man, those cars are quick.
1: Yeah, (laughs) is it pretty fun?
0: Yeah, they're quick. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, uh, there are choices, but as far as like a practical choice, right now it is time trial, unless you were to build a purpose-built electric race car. And one of the things to keep in mind, while we're very fortunate in California, we don't have any issues, but there are some regions of the country that uh, it's not NASA. It's the track itself has elected not to allow electric vehicles on the track.
1: I've heard that from a couple folks that uh, that I talked to around the country, and it's really interesting. It seems like those track elections are are based on their own impression of of risk, but it's all so new that there isn't really a centralized risk metric or great information for emergency response. I mean, at uh, the conference that I was just at state of charge, they had uh, a fire chief come and talk about EV fires. And even within fire response, there's a lot of stations that don't have the latest and greatest information about dealing with with the differences between a gas car and an EV car. So I wonder, I wonder, that seems like it's going to be a quickly changing uh, situation over the next few years.
0: Well, I, I think some of it, and, and I think you, you, what you said is very close to the truth is I think the tracks are making the decisions based on the fire response capability either the track itself has or the service providers they're using have and their proximity to a larger support unit. Like we're pretty lucky at uh, Buttonwillow, uh, we're right up the road from Bakersfield. We've had incidents where, it's not an electric vehicle, but to give you an example, we've had incidents where we've had to have emergency response, where the ambulances on site had to respond to somebody who might have been in a crash and maybe had some, I'm going to say, minor injuries, but needed to be checked out. Sure. Well, instead of dispatching the ambulance from the track, we've been able to have the ambulance from Bakersfield come pick them up in a matter of minutes just because of the location so we lost no time of being able to continue to have the event at the track because we had the ambulance on site we similarly had fire response from Bakersfield come support the on-site fire response we had unfortunately at an endurance race uh a year ago we had a car go up in flames and it it burnt down like you would expect a car to burn down. Nobody was hurt. We were very fortunate. Nobody got transported, but we did get additional resources to make sure the fire was put out correctly. Um, We're also pretty lucky with the tracks being out in the desert. Um, We're not surrounded by the woods or the forest, and we're not racing through the woods. Something happens. We just get the tractor and push the car out in the middle of the dirt and let it sit there. It, right. It's a very different environment at some of the tracks we have here in Southern California compared to the tracks I come from on the East Coast, where you know you can see Watkins Glen saying no because going off the track at Watkins Glen is exactly the width of one lawnmower before you get to the armco. Um there's nowhere to push anything <laughs> off the track. <laughs> <laughs> and i know it's exactly the width of one lawnmower because their maintenance guy told me how they decided how far off the track the armco would be so they can mow the grass
1: <laughs> he's only walking down at once <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's correct <laughs> so yeah so having local and regional support at your event that can manage having evs on site like you know you figure with the tesla charging station at button willow um you know they also only put the charging stations in places where, you know, with county and local regulations, that they can do that. So it's good for us that it's there.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I, I, I hope that and suspect that as different technologies uh, progress, I mean, back to like specifically EV cars, um, that will also extend to emergency response. Um, like for example, we had a, a demo that, uh, in at that conference of a fire blanket that was specifically designed for EV cars, which basically smolder it out. So when you push it out into the desert, you cover it, and it's a very low intensity fire that is kind of isolated. Um, but of course, that's going to take time to roll out to all of the different uh, types of racetracks and and uh, and that sort of thing.
0: Sure, and it's it's a cost reward thing too you know what does it cost for us to upgrade our fire EMS? first the number of competitors who will come participate
1: right are you guys seeing more and more growth in in ev drivers coming to events or interest from them or is it kind of like a stable baseline
0: i'll let tessa answer that she handles registrations i will tell you it is a slow, steady growth, meaning there's always more interest in it. Um, and the, the people who come tend to stay longer because hmm. this is something they really want to do. Not only are they into you know, their EV, they're into wanting to take their EV to the track. So they become more involved. They don't just show up for an HPD 1 or 2 and then move on because now they've had the excitement of taking their Porsche out on the track. No, they come out and they want and Porsche does make some pretty cool electric cars. We had one as a by the by as a, a pace car for one event and it was phenomenal. If I could afford it, I'd own it.
1: Oh, cool. <laughs> I've seen them. I've, I haven't driven those yet, but pretty sweet. Well,
0: I I drove it and I've never had a car push me back in the seat as hard as that car did. Ah. Love it, and that. I've driven some fast race cars. <laughs> Tessa, yeah. what
1: are you seeing from the uh, from the registration side?
2: I love that Mike was going to let me answer it, <laughs> uh, but I'd say his assessment is pretty accurate. Um, definitely have a slowly growing group of. EV drivers, I would say we've been doing, this is our third year now, I'd say each year we're adding one or two incrementally. So while they don't come to all the events, they consistently come to a certain number of events. Um. I think we have maybe
1: four or five cars that we see regularly and is it possible and
0: that's a lot like that's a lot four or five evs because if you look at a time trial not class, at the same time right. I should say like but- we've had four there mm-hmm. same time normally there's only four or five cars in each one of the time trial classes because time trial will get broke down one through five based on power to weight so if you have 25 cars on the track and you have five different classes, five cars in each class. That's pretty, that's good. Like there's enough to make it a race. There's the first, second and third when it's done.
2: Yeah. (laughs) cars that we're seeing are not just in time trial. I mean, like you, there's a couple in the different HPDE levels and then a couple in TT. So I, I don't know that we've yet gotten to the point of having full group in a single class just because of driver experience. But I'd say next year we'll probably start to see that happening.
1: Fingers crossed. With any luck, you'll have at least one more in TT sometime next year. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see.
2: We're expecting expecting one this fall, we've been told. But we'll see.
1: Is it possible to... To be able to participate in TT, uh, if you can't go to all the events,
0: oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there are, there's, there's. I guess two objective, two objectives in time trial. One, go to the events you want to go to, participate, and maybe get a trophy. And the trophies in time trial are a little different than the racing from than from racing trophies, but you still get an award for doing well in your class. Um and then there are season-long points for people who want to compete for the entire season and earn enough points to win a championship in a class. So there's no
2: requirement one way or another. You can participate as much or as little as you want and you know if you do well within a race within a weekend, you'll be rewarded, recognized accordingly. And, you know, if you happen to collect a sufficient number of points for the season, you know, then great. But there's no requirement. There really isn't.
1: Okay, that you makes don't
2: sense.
0: Yeah, you don't pay more to race for the season championship or pay less to just come for a weekend. It's just those people that participate in enough events. Are then eligible for a season end award.
1: Got it. And is there some sort of uh, some sort of like rolling up where like the SoCal region time trials where like the fastest cars would then go against the fastest cars from NorCal region time trials or uh, or different regions into kind of like does it get bigger um, nationally between the other NASA regions or how does that work?
0: It does. It
1: does.
0: (laughs) The timing is excellent. So uh, this year, first week in September, is the NASA National Championships. So the NASA National Championships include wheel-to-wheel racing and time trial. Last year, the National Championship was held at Laguna Seca, and Southern California sent like 220 southern california members to compete in the national championship
1: whoa
0: this year while we still have about that same many eligible i think we're sending 20 to 30 cars to uh pit race which is uh in pittsburgh pennsylvania so all the way on the other side so so this is pretty much extremes going from one coast to the other normally these races tend to end up a little bit more in the middle of the country, like a Road America or a CODA or even Mid-Ohio isn't really the middle, but it's close. But, you know, you could end up in a, you know, we normally pick a track closer to the middle of the country. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but but in this instance, we've gone coast to coast. And, uh, yeah, there are national championships for Individual time trial classes and TTEV is a class.
1: And so, theoretically, TT—if you were—if there was a TTEV um it, at nationals, then that that track is going to allow EVs with any luck.
0: Yes, yes, <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. And. Even if a track doesn't allow them and we've elected to hold a national championship there, I think part of our negotiating with them would be to allow us to do that. I'm not speaking for the national organization. I just think that's something they'd want to consider because normally at a national championship event, we're bringing in a much bigger and broader scale of support services, meaning with fire and EMS and everybody else than you may see somewhere else. So that could certainly be a topic of conversation. But it's not like a small. I don't want to say small. It's not like a regional event where you know the resources are much deeper at a national championship event.
1: Sure, that actually that actually is a good segue into something else I wanted to talk about because the resources when it comes to safety at at like an event like next weekend, I think is is no small amount. And that was something that really um, that really impressed me. I've gotten to that point in life where I actually you know when i was 18 i was you know didn't really care about side impact airbags and seat belts and it felt like an impossible of course i'm not going to crash but you you get a little bit more life experience and you realize you can do everything right but like accidents happen sometimes and so very aware and wanting to be proactive about safety and so we've talked a little bit about kind of the NASA, the three pillars, the safe, fair, and fun. And I think safety is really underlined here with all the resources you guys bring um, for everyone who participates. So could we talk a little bit about that?
0: Sure. So um, one of the things where NASA might set itself a little bit apart from some of our competitors is NASA is a for-profit organization. We're not a club. So with some of the other organizations, it's a club and you become a club member and the club members volunteer to do the flagging or the club members volunteer, volunteer to work in emergency services or volunteers, you know, work in tech where NASA is very different. We outsource and hire people for those. So the people that work tech for us who inspect your cars are Employees of the NASA Southern California region part time for the weekend, you know, they're contract employees, but we make them get SFI certified. You can't be a NASA tech inspector for us in Southern California unless you've passed the SFI test, and it's a pretty exhaustive test. We've had a couple people who've had to take it more than once. It's not just a, you know, 10 question, you know, always pick C type thing. No, it, it's a pretty exhaustive <laughs> test that could take you a couple hours to take. Um, So one, it starts when we check your car out. That's important. The second thing is the flaggers that we put on the corners to observe everything that happens on the track. Some organizations have volunteers that go out and do that. And they are very talented volunteers. I'm not taking anything away from them. Some of them have been doing it for years, but they've been doing it for years with the same organization. We hire professional flaggers people who essentially flag every weekend of the year, year round. We have a same core group that comes to all of our events. So they know us, they know our rules, they know what to look for. They know how to make the calls to our operations and command center and the tower and let us know what's happened on the track. You know, these are people that do this every weekend. So we use professional flaggers. We bring in fire and EMS, um, Bring in an ambulance, bring in a mobile fire truck. It's not like a big fire truck. It's more like one of these uh, heavy duty kitted out pickup truck type things that you've seen that can speed right off and has enough water and fire suppression equipment to put out a single car fire. We're not dealing with big house fires or building, but, you know, sure, we call in the backup for something like that. But yeah, and same thing. These guys aren't volunteers. They do it every weekend and we pay for their services to come out and do that. So, you know, paying for that level of preparedness and response is expensive. And I think, you know, our entry fees are the same as our competitors, but we incur a lot more expenses and we want to be competitive in the market, but we also want to provide a product where people feel safe.
1: Well, I think it's I think it is great, and they even talk about uh, that in HBDE one, um, getting people kind of acclimated with the safety because it is about being safe and good sportsmanship. I, I like that three pillar. It's very catchy, right? Safe, fair, fun. Um, but uh, it definitely seems to flavor the events and uh, um, and kind of contribute to a good community. It seems like what I've noticed a good good community that you guys have. I don't know what magic you've uh, brought, how you foster that.
0: Well, I'll tell you a funny story about the worst participant we've ever had.
1: <laughs> Please do.
0: <laughs> we were at Auto Club Fontana, which just recently closed this year. And I got a call from the security office that there was a problem, a big problem. And it was, you know, nine thirty, ten o'clock at night. I'm like, Okay, you know, this is Saturday night. Some people stay at the track and you know sleep over at the track, camp at the track, or stay in nice motorhomes. These guys were the nice motorhome kind of guys. But it was, you know, 9 30, 10 o'clock at night. And uh apparently the big to-do was uh they had gotten on their golf cart and they were riding around checking all the gates to see if they could get their golf cart out onto the track and apparently they had had a few cocktails to drink beers whatever and i will say they were three irish brothers Hmm. so i think they were egging each other on while they were on the golf cart and maybe they gave the security guard the way to go a little bit they didn't nothing physical just you know They weren't real interested in him telling them no (laughs) they couldn't go out on the track so of course i get called to the security booth and i get told about you know the criminal action that's going on at the track (laughs) security's in a frenzy and i look right at the security guard and i'm like were they naked and he goes no no they had their clothes on i'm like Oh, then we're fine. I'll just go find them and tell them to go back to their trailer. (laughs) (laughs) And he looked at me and I went and found them and he followed me and I told him to go back to their trailer. I'd kick them out and they couldn't race and all was well with the world. That's the worst instance we've had with behavior at the track ever in our years. With a couple guys wanting to take their golf cart out onto the track and maybe exchanging a few spicy words with a security guard they didn't want to hear from.
1: well if, yeah if that's the worst that happens not so bad
0: yeah As soon as i asked the security guard if they were naked he was floored and he's like no they're not naked i'm like oh then they're not that drunk yet we're fine right i know they're these guys reasonable. they could be naked <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we really try to make it we wanted somewhere where you can even bring your family because we know we know we're not competing for your dollars. We're competing for your time. And this isn't a sales pitch for us, but it's like anything you do, whether it's vacation or a hobby or golf. People are competing for your time. And if your family can come with you and enjoy it, camp in the RV and watch mom or dad race and go out on the track and be part of the pit crew and, you know, have fun around the campfire with. Them. Um you know, because inevitably, you, me, the people that come, car people, you know, we like cars,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: talking about cars, you know, we tell people all the time, you come for the cars, but you stay for the people, because you found a very much like minded group. And, you know, when we drive home, the safe, fair and fun, and everybody knows that, you know, our first pillar is safety, people feel good coming out, they don't feel like it's, you know, dangerous. I mean, there's danger with everything. There's danger on the golf course. You get hit in the head with a golf ball, you know, like at least in our cars, you have a helmet on, you know, That's right. so you're not gonna get the head with a golf ball, you know, and it's, I mean,
1: that, it's that helmet's inspected really, too. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. 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 It, it's, you know, <laughs> it's really, we, we try to create a community.
1: Well, I found that uh, to be the case. Um Lots of friendly folks. You can go, I mean, it's kind of like, when you're not racing, it's almost like a cars and coffee You walk around. It's just like amazing cars. And like, you could talk to anyone about their car and everyone, if they're not about to go on the track, they're more than happy to chit chat and tell you what they did and answer questions. And it's, it's like no, no second of downtime, no boredom, lots of fun. Absolutely. So one other question I had for, for you both, um, when, uh, when people, especially like uh, in the EV community, and and maybe it's more it's for all cars. A lot of times when you are talking about just getting into tracking your car, autocross comes up. They'd say that's a really good way to kind of test the waters. Uh, but I haven't seen any events so far um, with with NASA uh, doing autocross. So it, is, does NASA do autocross? Does that fit into the equation at uh, in some level or some reason regions or? <coughs>
0: Good question. NASA does have rules for autocross and NASA Southern California has experimented with hosting uh, autocross events in the past. Um, Being in Southern California, and one of the things I think you can appreciate is it's very dense and we don't have a lot of very big parking lots got a lot of parking lot owners that are risk adverse where finding locations to have autocrosses has not been the most convenient of things Mm. you keep getting moved further and further out to the desert the further out you move the lower the participation becomes sure so i think autocross is an excellent Step in point. There's a couple of organizations done that I know off the top of my head, but a couple we've talked to and worked with in the past. Um, it's great because you can go out for you know anywhere from ten to fifty dollars and get three to five runs in, and you know basically never go above fifty-five miles an hour, which is you know one of the limitations of autocross. But you get to experience some pretty heavy cornering, some pretty hard acceleration and braking, and uh, yeah, it's a dynamite step in. I think. Some people eventually, you know, well, like any form of racing, some people do it for a lifetime and it becomes exceptionally competitive. And some people ultimately want to drive their car faster than 50 or 60 miles an hour.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Different skill sets and, but it's all about seat time.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I autocross is one of the best things I've ever seen for understanding weight transfer and traction and dancing the weight around the car and negotiating, you know, different styles of turns, corners, slaloms, heavy braking zones, light braking zones. Um, Yeah. I've done it myself. It's fun. I've definitely done it with my friends. We've done it several times where we've shared one car between four of us and, you know, losers buying. Um,
1: Nice. (laughs) So. What's that?
0: I said, I didn't lose. <laughs> nice.
1: Even better. <laughs> so it was a free day. Yeah. Autocross, cheaper than ever when you win. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so i um, curious what you can share, if anything, of, uh, of the future of NASA SoCal, what people should be looking forward to um, for this year, next year. Uh, anything beyond things that we can start, uh, you know, being excited for and and uh, preparing.
0: Well, I think there's a couple things with the future analysis of SoCal that I'll go. Then Tessa can go. She's looking at me. Um, one, it's like now having done this, we're into our third year. We're going to wrap up our third year. We've done a lot of looking at all of our information, and everything's led us back to the obvious answer. If you like coming, bring your friends. they're mm. gonna like it too. you know so we really want to push that, that growth strategy, you know bring your friends. The other thing that we think we're excited for for this year, we we're excited for it last year. We were told about it the year before, but it's coming. it's just slow. Button Willow is adding another track that would be fantastic for us to have essentially four tracks. In Southern California that we can race on, um, albeit two of them at Buttonwillow, but you know, two different versions. Instead of just running the track in one direction, then running it in the other direction, um, it'll give us a whole nother location to hold an event. So that's really exciting. Yeah. And uh, Chuck Walla has planned to add a second track as well. I don't think that will happen in 2024, but I think we'll see them break ground on it in 2024.
1: That's really exciting.
0: Let me add to that a little bit to,
2: um, like Mike said, we've been looking a lot at the experiences that we've had the last couple of years. Um, and what we're looking at doing is finding ways to more proactively foster that sense of at the racetrack. Um, things like finding ways to more proactively get the different HPD drivers Together over the weekend, um, some of the race series do a really good job of doing that themselves. Some others don't because it's their choice. Well, how do we how do we get more of the racers crossing over and getting to know each other across the different series? Not to race, but like you said, you know, creating a stronger sense of community at the racetrack over the weekend. Um, We've also been talking about, you know, do we diversify the types of events we do and the different offerings? And I think we've pretty much come to the conclusion that we're really good at training drivers to become good race drivers. And because there are a lot of racing And driving organizations in this part of the country, we really want to focus on what we do well and build on that. You know, we, Mike talked a lot about the safety component, Um, fairness and fun is another big piece of it. So, how do we reinforce those concepts within the construct of? teaching drivers how to race and then teaching racers to be really good racers and have fun while they're doing it. I I honestly think those are the two strongest um, areas that we'll be focusing on over the next couple of years. Like, How do we do all of that?
1: It's going to be an exciting couple of years. So I see we're we're starting to wind down the time that we have available, although I could uh I could easily sit here and chat with you both uh for a lot longer. This has been really, really fun. Any uh any any kind of last thoughts from either of you, things that we missed that uh that we should make sure to to get out there um, for folks listening?
0: I think I think the biggest thing is Don't be afraid. Like everybody just looks at it as this all new world. Just don't be afraid. It's like, it's sometimes hard to take the first step. But once you do, you're going to have a great time. You're going to meet some really interesting people. You're going to learn a lot about your stuff. You know, your car. You're going to learn, you know, things you never knew. It's, it's just don't be afraid to take the first step you know reach out to somebody or reach out to us you know we answer the phone all the time but just i hate to say it, the blind call hey i'm getting online and i'm one and we're like wow are we glad to hear from you and you know <laughs> we've got emails set up that we send you right away and say click here do this you know we do it while we're on the phone with you here. Did you get the email? Yes. You know, click this link. Okay. Do you see where it says membership? Yes. Buy that. Yes. Okay. Do you see where it says events and it drops down? Southern California. Yes. Pick this thing. You know, like we'll do it with you. We'll walk people through it on the phone. Well, I'll say Tessa does because she does a way better job at that than I do. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we, we walk everybody through and, uh, you know, we're here to help people, you know, Do what they want to do. Get in a car. Get on track.
2: I would say, too, people should try different things. You know, if you don't, everybody will go where their friends go. um, And people will go where they feel most comfortable. So, you know, try. Don't be afraid to try things.
1: I think that's good advice, not only for driving cars but maybe even for life
2: it's true don't be afraid to try you'll never regret what you did try you'll regret what you had the chance to do
1: well with that thank you both so much and i will see you um a week from today
0: sounds great thank you
2: daniel we appreciate it